Okay, so we are in Soul Care, Biblical Soul Care Sunday School class, um, and we are starting um, goodness in our, that's where we are in, in the fruit of the Spirit study that we're in right now, and um, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we are in week one of goodness, of what will likely be two weeks um, before we move on. So to start off, I have a question. <laughs> it's kind of a theme in this study. These, these words are so commonly used that it's, it's sometimes difficult to define what we're talking about, especially with a word like good. Um, this is a word that is, has such a vast and varied use that it can be used to describe our great God as well as the Kansas City Chiefs, a nap, a breakfast, a grade, a job, all kinds of things we would say, that's good. So what do we mean when we say something or someone is good? What exactly are we saying? We had a butter bread for breakfast today. It was good. What does that mean? It was delicious. It was delicious. Yeah. It, I liked it, right? So it was pleasing. That's one of the ways that we can use it. What else? It's okay. Like, oh, you're good. Okay. So what are we saying when we say, someone apologizes to you or something? Yeah, it's acceptable. acceptable. I'll tolerate you, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's tolerable. Okay. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. He's good. Real good. He's real good. <laughs> He's really good. What are we saying? He's a fine, upstanding, morally pure man? No. No, not necessarily. I don't know him, but I don't know. But what are we saying? Talented, skilled. He's effective at something. We can say he's, he's good. Anybody going to take a good nap after church today? <laughs> there are any number of things that, that we can describe as good, and, and we mean any number of, of different things when we say that. What do we mean when we say that God is good? Holy. He's holy. Righteous. Righteous. There's no evil in him. There's no evil. He's morally pure. He's good. What does like your unbelieving neighbor say? When they when you say God is good, what do they typically think? Mm. What? He's okay. He's okay. Yeah, he's he's fine. Yeah. God is good for you. If that's yeah, they might say that. That's, oh, that's good that you believe in God. That you like God. Many of my neighbors would profess belief in God, and they would even say God is. Oh, sure, God is good. But what they mean by that is probably not what we mean by that. When they say God is good. They would agree with that to the extent that he has been giving them gifts. Yes. 
he has worked things out for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Then God is good. But we also hear sometimes in, in pain or trials, well, if God was so good, why did he do this? The implication is God's not good if this is what he does to me. So goodness is, is a very common word. It, it's kind of hard to define. It's like, what does good mean? Well, it means good. Yeah, it means like not bad. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of definitions this morning, and then we're going to think about um, what the Bible teaches us about this fruit that's supposed to be growing in us. This is, we're supposed to be people marked by good, good fruit. So let's look at the definition there. So Wayne Grudem, he defines goodness, the goodness of God like this. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all God is and does is worthy of approval. Okay. And so in our text this morning, Galatians 5.22, the Greek word is that one right there. You can see it. Um, and it's a noun that refers to moral rightness and goodness that is approved by God. So the following are some texts that will help us consider goodness biblically. Luke 18, 18 and 19. This is a ruler speaking to Jesus. The ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. What is Jesus teaching us there in his response? The standard is very high. When Jesus says good, something is good, in this text, he's saying this really high. Not even your religious leaders, he says, are good by implication. No one is good except God alone. So going back to your unbelieving neighbor, how do they feel about that statement from Jesus? They read that verse, and how are they feeling? Insulted. Are you serious? Yeah. No one? I'm pretty good. Yeah. Right? Not robbed any banks or killed anybody on purpose. Yeah. I've done, you know, all, there's all kinds of things, that they, objections that come up. No one is good except the God alone. And Jesus is kind of testing that, that man. He's, what do you mean? So, our unbelieving neighbors, and, and sometimes if we're not careful, we can see like, well, God, I'm pretty good. I've been a Christian a long time. I'm pretty, pretty awesome. You ask me. I mean, you ask somebody who kind of knows me. Don't ask my wife necessarily, but ask like somebody who knows me, somebody who is a, an acquaintance. We, we can think that we are pretty, pretty good in ourselves. Well, let's look at, look at Psalm 119. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but my whole heart, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me 
that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So what is described as good here by David? God's word. Yeah, God's word is good. Mm -hmm. Valuable. You are good. God himself. His affliction was good. It's good that he afflicted him. Judgment was good. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. His word, his actions, all his actions. You are good and you do good. Everything God does is good. Including, like David just said, the, or well, Jen, Jen just said, the affliction, when God afflicts us, that is good. Maybe not the exact, like, suffering, but God was good in afflicting David. Why? <clears throat> that I might learn your statutes. Yeah. That I might learn your statutes. He wants them to know the law of God. Because his laws are good. His word is good. So what is David teaching us about goodness? that are good that we don't necessarily identify as good right away. Yeah. We wouldn't say affliction is good. Yeah. So the, the things that are good, who defines what's good? God and his word. Yeah. Good judgment, good knowledge. Keeping his word. God himself and what he does. So God is the ultimate good and he defines all that is good. All that he says and does is good. With this understanding, we want to look now at the biblical examples of good that align with God and his will and his purposes. So in these next texts is point three. We're going to ask the same two questions as we consider how God is good. How is his goodness displayed and what do we do about it? Basically, those are the questions that we're going to think and come back to after each text. So Psalm 34, 4 through 8. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. How is God's goodness displayed there? He delivered the man uh, from his fears. Mm -hmm. He delivers Saved him out of his troubles. Mm -hmm. Saves out of troubles. 
He answers the ones that seek him. Yeah. He hears their prayers. He encamps around those. <coughs> He's a refuge. He provides stability, protection. So what do we do? You can look at what David's doing in this in this psalm. What is he doing, and what should we take from that? <coughs> Yeah, seek to him. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Now, and that, that's prayer, right? Seeking the Lord, and he answered me. I made, he made a request. Help me, God. And God answered him. What else? Take refuge in him. Take refuge in him. One more. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who who fear him. So we fear the Lord. We seek him. We take refuge in him. There's this verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do we do that? Those are reading it. his word. Reading his word is the primary one, right? We we do, we obey, we go to, to church and fellowship with believers. We behold God, we meditate on his word. We think about him. That's tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Any other comments on that one? Next one is Psalm 84. For the Lord is for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How does he display his goodness here? Bestows favor and honor. Protects. Yeah, he's a shield. He's a sun. Light comes from the sun. What about that second half of the verse? doesn't withhold good things. So if there's something that you don't have, and you're walking uprightly with the Lord, you're walking with Him, obeying Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, and He hasn't given you something that you'd like. He is defined walk uprightly. Define that. Yeah, walking uprightly would just be walking in obedience and holiness, godliness. Different dynamics for some people. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Mindset is still kept in those souls. So, yeah. So, yeah, so, so, 
So the, so the atheist who says, "Well, I'm hey, I'm I'm a good man," is he walking uprightly? No, but he doesn't rob banks, doesn't steal anything. His behavior may be cleaner, in a sense, than a lot of people in in church. Does that mean he's walking uprightly? Is he a good man? Back to our definition. Who defines what is good? So the position of the one who walks out probably is one in submission to or humility, I guess. Mm -hmm. One who understands what good means. It is not good to not do some bad behaviors when you reject God to his face. Right? He's making us breathe and think. My heart is beating, not because I'm controlling it, because I'm up I'm upright, right? God in his kindness and goodness gives me life. And for me to say, I don't believe in you. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't need you. There's no way that that man is upright. Closer to a, you know, a spoiled, you know, child who gets everything they want, never says thank you throws fits when they don't get, you know, that, that's what that man is like. That's what we are like when we do that too. So the, the upright is the man who sees God for who he is, thanks God for his goodness, walks in obedience to his law and his word, meditates on it, tastes and sees that the Lord is good. And, and God says in his word, he will withhold no good thing from that man. From that woman. So if we tease that out a little bit, that I don't have X right now. What does that mean? For that moment, it's not good for you. God's deemed that it's not necessary. God has a better thing for you. Right? That thing for you right now is not in God's perfect, wise plan for you for me we all can probably think of something we'd like to have <clears throat> some position we would like to be in a circumstance that we would like to be enjoying and God has not given it if we believe that he's good and that he withholds no good thing then we can still trust him and worship him we can still walk uprightly with him doesn't mean that that thing's not good, right? We, if it's, there's a lot of things that we desire that we think, hey, that'd be good. We would be able to serve better if I didn't have this condition or if I had more money to give to the church or if I had a, a really good friend or if I had a spouse or a child or a better relationship with my father or my mother or, or whatever the thing is. There's lots of good things in that list. But God is good, and he withholds no good thing from his children. I think they remember, too, that that's a time. Because <clears throat> that might change. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not saying, I think, I'm just clarifying what I don't know. <laughs> if it needs clarification, it might just be understood. But if you're not married now, or you don't have a child now, that doesn't mean that you will never. Mm -hmm. But for now, this is what God is doing that's good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and not to contradict that, but you have to be kind of careful to not talk yourself into like, well, it's not now, so that means God has it for me later. I mean, mm -hmm. understanding that it might be, then mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting our eyes on the God who is good, not the, the thing, the, the circumstance, the person that I want. I think part of the problem with this verse for a lot of people is all of a sudden we redefine good again mm -hmm. according to how we started. Mm -hmm. That's acceptable to us, it's pleasing to mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember the good there is in according to God's standard. Mm -hmm. So what is pleasing to him? Well, that we would have him as our refuge, that he would deliver us, that we would fear him. So we have to make sure we're viewing good rightly mm -hmm. in that verse. Yeah. So good is not that KU finally beats K-State in football this year, right? Would God withhold that from me? I'm being extra holy, right? No, that's not the good. You know, that the Chiefs win another Super Bowl or that, yeah. The, the good is according to the perfect will and the wise counsel of God himself, he gives us what we need. And not just like barely what we need to help us scrape by. He is good. He is abundant in his giving, his steadfast love. We read a lot the last couple of weeks. We talked about his kindness. His kindness is it's higher than the heavens, right? His steadfast love for us. So what do we do? We read this text, what is what are we instructed to do here? But the very next verse says, Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Trust the Lord. I don't understand, God, but I know you're good, and you don't withhold good things from me. One way I try to apply this verse is listing things I'm thankful for. Because I can find that a bitter spirit can start to come if I um, look at this verse and I'm interpreting good in my own mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. So I have I have to very be very specific in things I'm thankful for. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing the list is very extensive mm -hmm. when I'm that specific and it helps me to fear God rightly. Yeah. That's a great practical thing to do. Just, just think about, you know, there's the we're coming up to Thanksgiving. That's the season we're about to enter, right? Uh, to give thanks and to think about and reflect on what God has provided for us. Um, just think about the things that are going on in the world and, and as sometimes if we just focus on just our little circle here we can get really frustrated and upset and angry and scared about things going on and, and there, are, there are many many blessings and kindnesses that God has shown us here in Kansas, you know, Emporia, Kansas there's a lot of um, gracious things that God has kindly given to us so being thankful for all of those things and ultimately what's the greatest thing that he has given. Our greatest need was the need for forgiveness. Right? What we deserve, hell, for eternity. And he has provided a way of salvation through Jesus. Isaiah 63, top of page 3, verse 7. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us. And 
the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. How has God been good to Israel? Compassionate, he showed steadfast love. He showed, mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't waver in his commitment and his love toward mm-hmm. Israel. Yeah. Compassionate, he's loved them. He says it's great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them. It'd be interesting to ask. Because you think about you know God's covenant people, Jewish people, over the course of history and in recent events, how would they agree with that verse or disagree? Can can we, in the midst of something horrific, say that God is still good and He has granted to us great goodness? He's been compassionate. What does this text instruct us to do? What is the psalmist doing? We're recounting what had been gone on and reminded ourselves yeah. what had, had passed before blessings. I will recount. Yeah. The steadfast of the Lord is like what Emily said in the last question as well. We remember, we call back to our minds the things that God has been so good and kind to give us. How he has protected us and steered our lives to bring us to where we are in um, in this room, amongst brothers and sisters in Christ who desire to glorify him. That is a blessing. I can tell you a lot of people um, who want the kind of fellowship that we enjoy this morning and on a Sunday morning, and who don't have it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who who need the counsel, biblical soul care, and don't have access to it around them. And, and God has been so good to me. When I think about my testimony, the, the fact that he brought me to Emporia, of all places, and then not, just dropped me here and leave me here, but, but led me to Flint Hills Bible Church, There's no, there's no um, reason why I should have expected God to do something good to me like that. And the way that God has been so kind to me in my life. And I, and I look at others that I knew growing up, family members and friends who don't have that. God has been good to me. So we recount the steadfast love of the Lord, consistent, not weakening his love for me in spite of my, you know, rocky obedience, my inconsistency. He loves me. Matthew seven eleven, Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How is our Father good to us here? 
I can be very patient. <laughs> he gives good gifts. Yeah. He gives good gifts to us. So when we doubt the goodness of God, would you doubt your desire to give good things to your children, to your nieces and nephews? Do you <coughs> doubt your own love for your children? To doubt God's goodness is many, many times worse than that. It's me thinking I'm a better father than God is. So when God withholds something, going back to this kind of theme, when God withholds something good that I want, good, you know, as I define it, that I want, or when he gives me something that is not good, that I don't want, as I define good, again, I'm a better father than him. It is absolutely necessary for me to walk through what I'm walking through. It's not just like random, like God was just going to see how I responded, so he's going to give me this trial. No, God in his goodness and his wisdom is causing you and I to walk through what we're going through right now. He's a good father who loves to give good things to those who ask him. So what do we do? We, we trust him. We, we pray to him. We ask for things. We ask for good things as he defines them, trusting him that he will give them because he loves to give good gifts. Moving to James 1, James 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. How is God good? His character never changes. So God gives good gifts, right? From this fellowship and this time that we have this morning, worshiping him, learning about him, down to the butter bread that I got to enjoy for breakfast. Right? That's a good gift given by God. It comes down from him. Like that, the, the thanks and the glory goes to God for every good gift. What do we do? I think it, it, the implied um, thought is that we acknowledge that, right? Like we don't try to take credit for all of the good things that are happening in my life. It's not my doing. It's from the Father of lights who gives good gifts. Every good and perfect thing comes from Him. Yeah, I think sometimes we just we see something that good that happens to us and we think, well, I'm so fortunate that happened to me and we don't give that glory to God. I, um, 
I was looking at all the rain that we got this weekend or this week in the, the news report. The guy said, it's just amazing that the driest spot in the state received the most rain. He said, who would have thought that would have happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the goodness of God that did that. It wasn't just a random chance, but he just was just marveling about how the driest spot got the most rain. Anyway. It's almost like, like God was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing that I, I hear a lot um, and I tried, I've been kind of aware of it and try not to say it, but like, what people say, good luck. Or like, yeah. oh, you're so lucky. I hear kids say that a lot in school. Like, oh, lucky. You know, yeah. there's this, this idea of fortune and just random chance and th- that idea of good things happening just because I was in the right place mm-hmm. at the right time. Right? But that is, that's belittling God. Yeah. Right? That's, Neglecting to give him thanks as the, as the one who gives all good things. So, we, again, there's a kind of common theme here. We acknowledge the goodness of God and we trust him. We thank him for all the good things that he has given us. So, God is good to his people. And all that he does and all that he allows... He has good and kind intentions for us and does what is necessary and beneficial for us. He does, not be, he, does, he does this not because we are intrinsically good or we are worthy of his good acting on our behalf, but because he, in his nature, he is good. So now, I want to turn. Uh, we're going to consider how goodness is to be evident in our lives. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul's teaching us something. How are we supposed to display goodness or a pursuit of goodness here? Don't be conformed to the world. Don't just do what everybody else does. Instead, do what? Be transformed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So we pursue transformation, and we do that by reading the Word of God and letting the Word of God roll around in our minds and think about it and reflect on it. And it changes the way we think. It changes how we see the world. How we see um, our mission, our, the point of why we are here. That's all renewed. And then that leads us to, to kind of discern what's the will of God for me to do here. If I'm viewing life right, and my idea and my perception of what is good is aligned to what God says is good. It's a lot easier to discern the will of God then. Any other comments on that one? I think sometimes it can be hard to practically think about what does it look like to renew our mind. Like we say, oh yeah, we need to read scripture and we need to pray. 
I think sometimes it's hard to conceptualize that a little bit. So something I've been trying to do more lately is thinking about my thinking. There's, I don't know how that sounds, but that's a phrase that some biblical counselors have used. So one time I particularly try to do it is when my thoughts wander while I'm driving. And then sometimes I don't even notice what I'm thinking about. And then I stop. I'm like, wow, I've thought about that for the last 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. That has not helped me in any way. Mm -hmm. It's helped me to be more discontent in whatever it is. I've not prayed for the person. I have not thought any biblical thoughts towards that person or tried to think rightly about God in that situation. So then I have to think of something like this. Okay, so I'm dwelling on that unrighteously Mm -hmm. in my thinking. So in order for my mind to be renewed, I need to put on right thinking right now. Mm -hmm. So then I have to start praying for the person. I'm like, okay, what does God view about this situation? How am I supposed to react in this situation? Is this even a healthy thought? So then when it comes again the next day, because it will, I'm like, okay, who am I going to pray for when this thought comes to mind? Mm -hmm. Because I have to put on right thinking. And it's hard work. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we're like, well, just read your Bible and your mind will be renewed. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will. But it's also a daily choice that we have to take our thoughts captive with. So I don't know. That's kind of how I've been trying to practically use that verse. Yeah, I think what I I like what you're talking about. When, when you're saying we have to make a plan to do it, mm-hmm. because in the moment it'll be you know 15 minutes of driving when you, oh, oh yeah, I wasn't going to do this. Right? And I, so... I spent 15 minutes again, you know, sinfully thinking about, you know, that person who wronged me. Um, but okay, so like like Emily's saying, okay, I mean, would tomorrow when this happens again on my drive home, this little sticky note on my rearview mirror, so it's going to remind me to pray for this person, or uh, a reminder on my phone, or what? However, we're gonna we're gonna make a plan because if I just keep doing the things that I'm doing now are what come easy to me. And that's what we default to. So if we don't have a plan, then that's what we're going to do continually. So if um, every time you get into a certain situation or a certain place at work or a certain place at, um, in your house, whatever it is, um, and the default is going to be what you steer toward. So make a plan. We, we make a, I'm going to avoid that place. Or I'm going to go and pray in this other place instead of going to that place. So there's a lot of, of details to work out, but we do need to have a plan or we're going to just do what we always do. So I think there's an element too when, when we do read the Bible, like for our, t- our scripture times, I, I was uh, looking at something else for in the Low Country Biblical Counseling um, Center materials and it was talking about how like pray to God and ask him to teach you. Like I don't. A lot of times, I just I start opening the Bible and I'm just gonna read. I, it's my, it's my duty. It's time to it's my Bible reading time, and I just start reading. Um, like, how about I, I take a minute, Lord, please teach me what you need me to learn here. And, and just that's that's a, a way to just say I'm dependent on this the Holy Spirit to help me here. If I just read this, I can read it and just be thinking about the the football game or the. The thing I have to do at work, and the person who insulted me, I can all kinds of things. My mind can wander like, like that. I need help, not only to focus sometimes, but but for the Lord, I need Him to teach me. So, take take a brief moment, a few seconds, to pray 
and sincerely seek the Lord's help as we read, as we think. I, I want to think mean thoughts about this person. I know that's sinful. Help me as I pray through your word to change that, to, to think good thoughts, to think right thoughts about that person, to think about that person's eternal destiny. Sometimes will sober us right up. Wow. Matthew 25, 21 through 26. His master said to him, this is Jesus telling him a parable, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who he had given the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. And he continues and takes it away and casts them out. What's the contrast between the good servants and the third one? The good servants were were tactically trying to put to use what they had been given and you can create more with it. Whereas the I mean, just, I'm going to go bury it in the ground. I don't want to lose it. I'm not yeah. going to use it. Mm-hmm. Just leave it there and give it back. Yeah. Like, no, no activity. Yeah, the good servants did something. They worked. They worked with what they were given. And the wicked servant just buried it. Didn't mess with it. <coughs> So I'll just leave it there and won't think about it. And then when he comes back, and I'm, oh yeah, I got the thing over there. So I'm gonna go use, grab it and give it back to him. So there was a diligence that the good servants had, and that uh, the wicked servant lacked. He just he's called the wicked and slothful servant. So the good here that Jesus approves is uh, those who work with what talents they have been given. How does that instruct us? We need to be active with it. We need to take our... God doesn't mind if we take a risk. They invested this money with like with other things and had to risk something yeah. to, to have, get a return on it. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to serve. Yeah. Or use Work what God's and giving you. Use the, use the time and talents and money and resources that God has given you for him. There, there's a little bit of risk in that, right? If I try to use something that God has given me for his glory, it may not work out. 
So do I just not do it? No. God has given you that thing for a purpose. He's given it to you for use. It's going to be a lot of a lot of different things. The money he's given you, are you investing it for his kingdom? It's the most obvious one. Right? This is all it can what has God given you as in terms of abilities? <coughs> Are you are you obeying his call to serve? If I have the ability to uh, teach, and I don't ever want to teach because it's hard, and I want to do other things with my time, that would be a, a wicked, slothful thing for me to do. that will not get God's approval. I will not hear good and faithful servant. Galatians 6.10 So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. What's Paul telling the Galatians to do? Especially those believers who are in, in your church. When we have an opportunity, do good. First Thessalonians 5, 14-22 And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. And to everyone, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. How do we pursue goodness here? Like what? <laughs> Admonish the idle, yeah. encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient, test what, everything. What if, I mean, what if the idle person, he doesn't want to be admonished? Right? Like, do we still do, we have, still do that? Yeah. 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 Like this, this is one of, I mean, but... Or, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is one of, the, one of the key verses for why we're doing this Sunday school class. Why we are working to have a biblical counseling center. Right? We want to do this. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That's doing good to one another. We also, we rejoice always. 
We pray without ceasing. We give thanks in all circumstances. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus. We don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies. We test everything and we hold fast what is good. There's a lot there. It's a lot there, yeah. <laughs> and in verse 21, uh, we, in order to hold fast what is good, we have to, we have to know what is good. Right? We have to have knowledge of God, who he is and what he says. And then we have to be diligent to test things. Not everyone who says that they are a good Christian brother or sister is going to tell you true things about God or about any number of things. Do Christians, even, so let's assume that we are Christians, do we always give good advice? No, unfortunately, <laughs> right? To the, to the degree that we are examining and searching and, and holding fast to what is good, we will be more likely to do that. But there's a lot of people who are Christians and who just kind of are just, not understanding good as God defines it, but good as they define it. Um, and then there's people who are not Christians, who would be false teachers, who are deceived. Um, when they give you advice on something, we need to test it. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Let's do one more, and then we will wrap up this morning. 2 Thessalonians 1.11. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So what is God doing here? God that makes us worthy of his calling mm-hmm. and fulfills every result for good work. Yeah. So what is power. what is our role then? Let go and let God, right? He's gonna do it. <laughs> He's gonna do it all for us. If you look carefully, what what are we doing there? Right. Works of faith. Mm-hmm. Who's doing the resolving? His power? Yeah. So like his his power, he's making that happen. I there is a an element here where we are resolving. We we are deciding, it's like that planning that we're doing as well. We are gonna resolve for good and to work by faith. We're he calls us to walk by faith, right? That is a command that God gives to us. And we are to intentionally do that. And it's a reminder that just because I plan to do it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Because who has to actually do it? Who has to fulfill that resolve? God does. God, by his power, gives us energy to, to accomplish. And he gives us the power to do that, but we still have to resolve to do it. We still have to walk by faith and trust Him. So, we are just about out of time. We're going to stop there at point number five, and we'll just take a brief um, look at some biblical examples of goodness next week.
and maybe do some scenarios again. So, so I have a question. Uh -huh. a question. So I just want to know if I'm thinking rightly about this. So even as believers, all of our righteous acts are still tainted with sin, right? And so even our good deeds apart from Christ are not good. I mean, like, it's Christ's righteousness and goodness that makes us good. Yeah, so I think... And apart, like Paul said, apart from... There's nothing, there's nothing good in me mm -hmm. apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, it's Christ's, his perfect record, his mm -hmm. perfect goodness. And our righteous, all of our righteous deeds are still tainted yes. with sin and impurity. So I, think, I think the distinction to, to always bring back is the difference between justification and sanctification. So like justification in, in the justified sense, yeah, all of the things that I try to do um, to be righteous with myself and my own doing are wrong. They're tainted by sin. So we're in justification, we are trusting in the perfect righteousness of Christ to justify me, to make me right in God's sight. In sanctification, we are working. And yes, my good works are still tainted by sin, um, but it is I can still please God by trying to obey Him, not because, because I'm not doing that so that I can earn His love or to be righteous in His sight. I'm doing it as an as a act of worship and love to him because of what he has done for me in Christ. So because I'm united in Christ, I have been forgiven and I am perfectly righteous, declared righteous by God. Uh, so that's justified. I've been justified by faith in Christ. Now, as I, I seek to obey and worship him in my daily life, and I, I seek to, I, I read the Bible not to gain his favor, to make him love me more, or to make him forgive me, because that's already done in Christ. Now I do it because I love him and I want to serve him. And so there is, we can be pleasing to God in our efforts or sincere efforts to, to worship and, and serve him. And that is never going to be pure. Like when I, even when I'm praying for, for things that are right and good, uh, I'm still tainted by, by my sinful flesh and there's still problems with it but he is not judging me because I'm, I'm not doing it for justification. Right. Okay. When we do, it, it's hard because it's, yeah. it's important to keep that straight in our minds uh -huh. because we can drift uh -huh. into that really easily. And so when things, we start to redefine what is good and we say, well, God's not being good to me or I, maybe I'm not earning him, or maybe I'm not doing something right. Or pleasing. Maybe I'm not pleasing him so he's, he's maybe not very happy with me. Like, it's really easy to get, mm -hmm. no. We are justified by faith in Christ. He loves us more. He can't love us more. He can't give more. He has given his son, right? So if, uh, in Romans. So uh, reflecting on that and, and remembering that, yeah, I, this is not my Bible reading, my perfect record this week of, of devotions and quiet time and prayer that make God love me. No, I do that because I love him, because of what he's done for me in Christ. That makes sense. But we can still, he's pleased by our mm -hmm. desire mm -hmm. and, our, and our, I guess, our attempts to do good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and it is, uh, it is good to, to desire that. And, and that is another thing that makes us long for heaven because that then I will no longer be, my worship will no longer be interrupted and tainted by my distractibility mm. on a good day or my, just my sinfulness, my anger on, on bad days. And, and so, yeah, we long for that day because mm. that, one of the greatest things about mm. heaven is going to be what? No, I'm not no sinning sin. anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the more we love and fear God, the greater that desire will be for us to be there. Anything else? All right. Have a blessed Sunday.